This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. I wish we had some better quality homes in town. Being a small town, there's just not that much available, so I wish we had more. The rural and urban split in Iowa seems to be widening. Education is changing a great deal, and now we do a lot of collaborative learning, project-based learning, hands-on, and that building doesn't facilitate that. How hard will it be to maintain the small-town way of life? Most of our business comes from people from out of town, like 60, 70-mile radius. The challenges faced by Iowa's small towns. Our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Many of you are probably like me, a product of small town Iowa. I grew up in Toledo in Tama County, a town whose population has been around 2,300 for the past 60 years. But while the population has been stable, the downtown business district is far different than the one I first remember in the 1960s and 1970s. In an age of big box stores and now online shopping, it's more difficult than ever for even county seat towns to maintain vitality. A series of reports was created in April of this year by six student journalists as part of their senior year capstone reporting project at Simpson College. They worked for four months in collaboration with Simpson Assistant Professor of Multimedia Communication Mark Siebert and Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller. One of the students, Taylor Bates, prepared our report. Small towns across Iowa are working to keep businesses open, increase their population, and make sure they maintain healthy and livable conditions for those in the community. 38 of Iowa's 99 counties are considered to be rural. 71 of the 99 counties saw population declines between 2010 and 2017. State government has repeatedly invested more money into larger cities that have seen population growth, leaving smaller towns trying to figure out how to survive. One small town in southeastern Iowa is looking to find solutions to these issues by bringing businesses together and improving their school system. Humiston, located in Wayne County, is home to nearly 500 people. This alone can make it difficult to keep businesses, such as restaurants or clothing stores, alive due to a lack of customers. However, a few local businesses have found a way to overcome the challenge of being located in a small town with a small customer base. Sweet Southern Sass, a children's clothing store in Humiston, is owned by Leanne Coffey. She says the business owners working together is a huge part of making their businesses successful. In our businesses meet about every month, six weeks or so, we have a meeting and so we all get together and we all kind of talk about how our businesses are doing, what we need to do to, to get into it. And, and a lot of it is how we market, what do we do? We have, um, we have every quarter about, we have a big day in town where everybody kind of has coordinated sales. We, you know, we promote it as a Humiston event and we try to have a vendor fair and bring in some of the local vendors and um, and just have a big day and that draws people to town. Because Humiston's so small, business owners there whom we talked with say they can't depend solely on the town's population to support them. Cindy Davidson, Humiston resident and employee of Grassroots Cafe, says business comes from outside of Humiston. Most of our business comes from people from out of town, like 60, 70 mile radius. 
um, from other towns that come to Humiston as a destination for the day. They come to town to shop, to eat lunch, and enjoy a small town atmosphere. They come from Des Moines, Pella, Ottumwa, you know, Creston, other areas. They don't, they aren't the local people who come in here. Linda Dawson, owner of Snips of Thread, says one way of attracting customers is to invite bus tours to come indulge in all the town has to offer. A bus tour will be coming to Humiston from Newton, which is over 70 miles away, to spend the day at the end of July. We're going to do a style show and we're going to do a make it and take it craft thing and we're going to, you know, we're just coming up with all these, we're probably going to do a quilt show, a small quilt show, just things that ladies are interested in and um, so that that bus company, she's going to try to sell two bus loads. So, you know, and we've done, we just had a, um, was that three weeks ago? We had two buses come through. Maintaining businesses is not the only struggle Humiston faces. One other major problem is housing. I wish we had some better quality homes in town. I do see a lot of the older homes being bought and fixed up, so that's good. There's some homes that need work, but I see that they're, they're being bought and, and there's some modular homes that have been moved into town, some new ones. Being a small town, there's just not that much available, so I wish we had more. The median house value in Humiston is $74,700. In Iowa overall, the median value of a house is $142,600. Another problem Humiston is facing is keeping its school system together. Humiston is in the Mormon Trail Community School District, which also covers the towns of Derby, Leroy, and Garden Grove. The elementary school is in Humiston, with the junior high and high school eight miles away in Garden Grove. With dated facilities and looking to close the Garden Grove building, Helping students learn can be a difficult task, according to Mormon Trail Superintendent Carrie Phillips. Education is changing a great deal, and now we do a lot of collaborative learning, project-based learning, hands-on, and that building doesn't facilitate that too well. In fact, this building is, is dated. So the plan is that we will close that building over there and build onto this building. Uh, and have uh, pre-K through 12 in one location. That'll save the district a uh, considerable amount of money with staffing, travel. We share staff between the buildings that have to go back and forth now. Uh, we have to bus over there, and it costs a lot more to heat that building and to keep it up. There's a lot of things that go wrong because of its age. Even if the district is facing challenges, Phillips points out that there are great things about small schools. The, the, the good thing about all these small communities um, is that if you are a student and you want to participate, that's all you need mm -hmm. is the will to do so. We have room for everybody. Uh, some of the bigger school districts, uh, you know, you, you may not get on the team. You know, mm -hmm. may not be able to be a cheerleader, but here you can be involved in anything you want. Facing challenges head on, Humiston residents are seeing hope for their town. We're starting to see the young families come back once they get that four or five-year-old kid. You know, they're starting to say, oh, let's raise them in a small town. While the future of small towns in Iowa is uncertain, for now, we can see towns like Humiston trying to beat the odds. And I'm joined now by the executive director and editor of Iowa Watch, Lyle Muller. One of the things that is a hallmark of the journalism done by Iowa Watch are these partnerships with college and university students. And the Simpson College connection 
is, I think, one of the longest-lasting ones that has borne some really excellent reporting. It's our oldest collaboration other than the University of Iowa working with students there, and that's because we were founded at the University of Iowa. This is the sixth year that we've done a project with Simpson College student journalists, seniors at Simpson College, before they graduate, if they are in the journalism program, have to do an Iowa Watch project as a semester-long symposium. So when I met with them earlier this year, they said that they wanted to take a look at small towns in Iowa, and the question becomes, well, what do you want to say about them? And they came up with a, a good proposal to take a look at whether Iowans actually care about small Iowa. They did a good job of going out, talking to people in different places, talking to economists, but also spending a lot of time in the town of Humiston, Iowa, out in so near the Missouri border. And it's a small town. It's shrinking. It's about half the size that it once was. So they did a good job, and I'm really pleased to be part of the project again. Were some of these students from a rural background, the particular students who did this, or are they from urban areas who were then fascinated by something different from what they had grown up experiencing? Yeah, a couple of them were from small town Iowa, so they brought their experiences with them. And when we did a debriefing at the beginning of the idea where we were vetting, they brought their experiences to the table with that. So that was a good thing for the project. They knew what they were talking about. They also knew some of the stereotypes that exist about small towns so that they could try to defeat that. Uh, I'm talking about small towns just uh, of, of being full of people who are low income or or don't care about the world in, in general, all of those types of things that someone from the outside might think but aren't true when you get to the town. What is most gratifying for you as you work with these students at Simpson or some of these other places? Because, again, it's a summative project for senior college students. This, in essence, is truly creating a finished product that is designed for a large audience. But what's gratifying for you as you work with them through these period of months? Two things. One is the journalism itself. That's the goal. We want these students to be trained and we want them to be good journalists, but at Iowa Watch, our goal is to tell stories, report news. And so they produce news to meet a standard that we have so that we'll publish it and air it and distribute it all around. The other thing, though, and this really excites me, Jeff, about these projects, is the depth that the students reach. They enter thinking that they know their topic. They get a good understanding at the surface of the topic. They might even dig a little deeper, but they are clueless at the beginning of the project how deeply they are going to drill into the story for what eventually gets published. And we'll talk with the students coming up, but I have found in the past when we have had these conversations with the young people, that's the thing that they just don't realize going in, even though they may have taken semesters and years worth of study they just don't realize to do this type of journalism just how deeply you have to drill to make it distinctive from what i'll call day-to-day -day or run-of-the-mill deadline-oriented journalism yeah and they need to really dig deeper to if somebody says something you still need to vet it did you understand what they said accurately when they said we don't care about something do they not care because they've given up or do they not care because they think that's being taken care of adequately a big difference between those two types of assumptions when someone says a broad statement like that Lyle Muller, Executive Director and Editor of Iowa Watch. 
When we come back, we'll hear from four of the students on the reporting team, many of whom know about small-town Iowa firsthand. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. I'm joined now by four of the six student reporters who created this series of reports we've been talking about today. My name is Taylor Bates, and I'm from Baird, Iowa. Uh, my name is Randy Paulson, and I'm originally from Grinnell, Iowa. My name is Emily Carey, and I'm from Boone, Iowa. My name is Dustin Taze, and I'm from Humiston, Iowa. Now, those are all names that I certainly recognize as a lifelong Iowan, and none of them, I would say, are large metropolitan areas. So I think I may know the answer to this, but Emily, I'm going to ask you first, what led you to be interested in this topic for the reporting project? Um, I know for most, as you said, that there are a lot of us who are from smaller, fairly smaller towns. I know personally, I come from a town that's about 11,000, so it's not as small as other towns in Iowa, but I think being in Southern Iowa, we're surrounded by so many smaller towns that we realize that Iowa's really getting taken over, sort of speak, by these urban areas like Des Moines and Ankeny and Altoona, especially in central Iowa and Cedar Rapids out east, I think. Iowa City and just these big urban areas and it's sort of depleting away from these small towns. We really wanted to look at it because we knew going into it that small towns were facing issues, but we wanted to specifically see what they're what they were facing, what Iowa is doing about it, and what we can do to sort of restore and save these small towns. Dustin, you're from a town that a hundred years ago had three times as many people. Have you noticed anything in your town as you were growing up before you went to college in terms of either a decline or the spirit that says we need to hold on to what we have? Growing up, there's a lot of you know, school, school spirit and, and town spirit. Uh, and that kind of dwindled as I got a little bit older, mainly in the students that I went to school with. You know, people stopped, you know, going to football games, stopped going to homecoming dances, stuff like that. And then just the overall quality of, of some of the stuff that we had, like I can remember a couple summers that our swimming pool just didn't open because we didn't have the funds to, you know, repair it to you know, standard to where you could have people swimming in it. But in speaking to your question on uh, the fighting spirit, I think maybe more so now 
as you know some of the issues have become amplified uh for small towns that they're kind of realizing that if we don't you know fight we are going to lose you know what we have left so not so much back when i was growing up but now it's kind of a big deal to see these people you know hold on and fight for everything around them randy i've spent some time for the radio programs in grinnell it seems people there are really purposefully trying to redevelop certain areas. I grew up near there, so I remember it when I was quite young, and it's a very different place. Talk about growing up in Grinnell and what you may have seen gone on there in the last 10 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was in high school, actually, there were several um, redevelopment-type projects and um, my senior year, actually, um, there was uh, a bond issue that the city was trying that the city proposed to um, build new schools. And I know the latter part of my senior year that was a really contentious topic in Grinnell because several residents didn't um, want to have to increase their tax um, their property tax burden to create the new schools. They thought that the current schools were sufficient, um, and so no, that was. Um, kind of in my mind, the first big issue that jumps out. Another is also the veterans building there in the more downtown part of Grinnell. Um, there was an effort several years ago to um, help raise money to keep that um, building there. Um, and I know that several um, people in my family um, specifically were, um, were really passionate about preserving that building and continuing to honor veterans that were from Grinnell and um, that used that building. And also there in the downtown part around the, the veterans building was um, the Central Park. And I know that's undergone several redevelopment and redesign um, projects recently. And it looks just very different than what it looked like when I was younger growing up there and going to the park and just playing there. Taylor, I believe you said you were from Bayard. And if I'm looking at this correctly, your town lost roughly half its population in the first decade of this century between the 2000 census and the 2010 census. That had to be a, a drastic change to how people live there. Yeah, for sure. I know as I was growing up, our town used to do a lot of things. The library constantly had programs going on um, for the younger kids in the community. And there were always just there would be a town cookout, a block party, which if there's a block party in Baird, it's the whole town. And there were just a lot of community things. And now as I go back, I have two little brothers that are still, you know, in elementary school and high school, and there's nothing for them to do in town. There's nothing for these small families to meet other families in Baird. There's, there's a library, a bank, a post office, a farmer's co-op, and that's about it in Baird. Um, a huge thing that happened was they decided to, their Baird is part of the Coon Rapids Baird School District, and they decided to shut down the school in Baird when I, I was pretty young. It was before I was in school, but just shutting down that school and moving everything to Coon caused a lot of people to just not want to be in that small town anymore when they lost their school. So that caused a lot of people to leave and, you know, move elsewhere. And that was a huge thing for Baird. I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you this, Emily, because you come from the largest community of the four of you. It would appear to me that Boone is vibrant. It's right on Highway 30. Ames keeps expanding to the west, and so it's kind of a vibrant area. Were you surprised at some of the things that you came up with or that you saw in the reporting of this project? 
Yeah, I was. I know growing up in Boone, I always considered Boone to be a small town, which I look at now and it's, yeah, no, it's not that small. Um, I went to, I remember my freshman or sophomore year of high school, I went to a leadership conference in my town, the school that I went with was the biggest school there, and that kind of opened my eyes because growing up in central Iowa, I'm surrounded by Ames, Des Moines, Ankeny, Urbandale, all those sort of suburbs of Des Moines, so to speak. And so seeing all these smaller towns, especially when in the South when we were looking at, seeing how much they're declining and how much they're struggling, it was very surprising to me, and it was very different from what I grew up surrounded by. I was surrounded by seeing more growth in these urban areas, but seeing all the decline really made me want to look more into it and see what we can do to change what's happening. You have come from a small town, and so you've experienced this firsthand. Has this experience, reporting on the story, has it given you optimism for areas like your hometown? I would say it gives me uh, some sort of optimism, you know, as um, we've kind of got into the reporting. Uh, stuff is being done for small towns, but maybe not quite enough to keep them viable for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. But in terms of, you know, where I come from, learning about what the businesses were doing to keep themselves vital and alive, it does bring me a sense of optimism in the sense that uh, they're not just rolling over and, you know, disappearing they're doing everything that they can to keep everything alive. So, and especially talking to some of the people that worked in the businesses, uh, they were people that I know from growing up there. And if you talk to any of them, they're just like, we're doing everything we can. You know, we still love our town. We still love the people in our town. So it does, after the reporting has been finished, you know, I do have a certain sense of optimism for them moving forward. Randy Paulson, Taylor Bates, Dustin Taze, and Emily Carey, who along with Zoe Seiler and Austin Heronic, prepared a series of reports on the challenges faced by small-town Iowa for their senior year capstone reporting project at Simpson College in partnership with Iowa Watch. You can read all their work and view a video report on our website, iowawatch.org. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online iwillwatch.org.